to the UNT BSM audio resources. If you want more information on the BSM, you can go to untbsm.com. Thanks for listening. Jesus. So what is this mind that Paul's talking about? So let's look back 
at the text from last week. So this line that he's talking about points back to chapter 1, verse 27. Standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side in faith in the gospel. And then it also points to chapter 2, verse 2. It says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being full, in full accord in one mind. So after Paul says those things, and of one mind, or being of the same mind, he goes into and explains what that one mind looks like in verses 3 through 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And that's Philippians 2, verses 3 through 4. So we see here these verses are pointing to having this mind. And we see here that citizens of heaven are supposed to have this mind of humility, of selflessness. We're called to be humble. So this mind that Paul is talking about is one of humility. And this mind that we have is ours in Christ Jesus. So look at the second part of verse 5. It says, which is yours in Christ Jesus? Well, I went and looked it up in the Greek, and it says directly, which was also in Christ Jesus. So it kind of clarifies that a little bit better. And then, so what this is saying is that Jesus had this mind of humility. This one of counting others more significant than himself. And so we're able to have this mind of Christ because he went before us. And so what Paul is going to do is he's going to point out this perfect example of humility that we find in Christ Jesus. He's going to demonstrate that through the next couple of verses. And so we're going to spend the rest of our time looking at uh, Christ's perfect example in verses 6 through 11. And so we're going to go, just go verse by verse so you guys are pretty equipped to go into your connect groups and discuss them. Uh, but before we go into that, I wanted to point out the three ways that we're going to see Christ demonstrating his mind of humility. And the first way is that he didn't hold his deity over others. The second way that Christ demonstrates his humility is that he took the form of a servant by taking on our human flesh. And then the third way that he demonstrates his humility is that he died for us. So we're going to go into verse 6, and I'm going to read 5 because it helps make sense of 6. So have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So what we see here is that Jesus was in the form of God, and we see that in 2 Corinthians verse four, chapter 4, verse 4, it says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So Jesus is the image of God. And then in John 5, 18, it says, This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus was calling God his father, so therefore it was saying that they were the same. And so, of course, you can imagine why uh, the Jews were angry with him. And then you see in Hebrews 1, verse 3, it says, He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So even though Jesus was God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And so this is the first way that Christ demonstrates his humility. So in Greek, the word for a thing to be grasped means the act of seizing a 
thing to be seized upon or to be held fast or retained. So Jesus did not exploit his being God or his being equal to God to benefit himself or for his own advantage. Um, he didn't need to try to seize his deity or hold on to it because he was equal with God, he was God. And so uh, as humans, we'll see that we try to grasp the quality of God. Um, and you see kind of the epitome of that when Adam and Eve decided that they wanted to be like God in Genesis 3. And so then what ended up happening in us as humans wanting to be like God, our creator, we ended up falling from him, falling away from him. And so um, that's what happens when humans try to attain the quality of God. But what Christ is claiming here is that he is equal to God because he was God. So he had the right to claim that because he was God. So moving on to verse 7, and I'm going to read about 5 and 6 into verse 7. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So when Jesus is saying here that he emptied himself, it means that he made himself nothing, literally nothing. So this does not mean that he wasn't God still, uh, because he's still divine. Because you see that in Colossians 1, 19-20, it says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So what this is saying is that Christ was fully God and fully man, and that because the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him, and he was able to make peace by the blood of his cross, which means that he had to die. And in order to die, he had to be flesh or incarnate. So we want to look at how did Christ empty himself and make himself nothing. Um, and he did that by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. So this is the second way that we see Christ demonstrating his humility. So by taking the form of a servant, he made himself low. Um, in Mark 10, 45, it says, For even the Son of God came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so, early in earlier in verse 3 of chapter 2, we see that citizens of heaven are supposed to count others more significant than themselves. And what we see here is that Jesus led by example in that, and counted others more significant than himself. And so, being born in the likeness of men is pointing to the fact that he was God, and coming down to flesh is something below him. Because God is so much greater as a deity. And he's a creator of his creation. So Christ came to creation, to mankind. So Jesus humbled himself by taking on our flesh so that he could serve us. And when we see form or likeness in the Greek, it means the shape or the outward appearance of. And so Christ is now not only God, but he now also had the appearance of, or was in the likeness of, flesh. And is still even now, as he sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven. So now moving into verse 8. Um, I'm going to read 5 through 7, so stick with me. Into verse 8. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. 
So Jesus didn't stop at just becoming human, but he continued to humble himself and continued to lower himself by dying on the cross for us. And so that's the third way that we see Christ demonstrating his humility. So I was having a lot of fun with Bible Hub, and it's this app that you can use, and you can search the Greek, and so I've been doing that. So if you hear me say the Greek translation, it's because I was doing that this week. And so humble in the Greek means to humiliate, or to make low, to sign a lower rank, or to be placed below others. So we see here, dying was the ultimate humiliation for Christ. And dying on the cross is considered one of the most humiliating ways to die. And so if you were here last semester, Austin Wadlow uh, talked about the crucifixion. So if you're interested in knowing more about what the crucifixion of Christ dying on the cross looked like, um, you can go and look on our website, and it should be under um, John 10. Um, but so we see here that Jesus was humiliated in the lowest of the low. He was even considered equal to thieves and robbers. So we see Christ humbled himself also by becoming obedient to God, even to the point of death. So we see here that he obeyed the will of the Father by dying on the cross. And what Christ did when he died on the cross was that he took upon himself all of our sin. All of his people's sin. And by doing that, he also took on all of God's wrath against that sin and that evil. So when Christ died, God forgave all of that sin because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for us. He was God's perfect son who did no wrong. You sacrificed himself for those who didn't deserve it. And the best news of all of this is that when God forgave all of that sin, he not only raised Jesus from the dead, but he also restored those of us who claim Jesus as their God and Savior to himself. So that concludes the first section of demonstrating Christ's humility. So now we're going to go into verses 9 through 11. And it says, Therefore, so due to Christ's obedience and humbling himself even to the point of death, God then highly exalted him. So look at verse 9 with me. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So, exalted means to raise to supreme majesty, to be lifted up with pride. So we see God lifted up Christ because of his perfect obedience. And his perfect obedience led not only to his death, but also to his resurrection. And then this led to salvation for all people who call upon the name of Jesus. And God the Father, you see, has the authority and the power to grant Jesus the name that is above every name. And God exalted him above all people and creatures and heavenly beings. And you can see that in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. And it says, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So God exalted him above every name that was named. And in verse 10 it says, So that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. In verse 11, And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. 
So in verses 9 through 11, we see that God has highly exalted Jesus and given him the name that is above every name. And that when Jesus returns the second time, every knee will bow. Both believers and non-believers, both angels and demons, will bow at the name of Jesus. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So regardless of whether or not uh, you believe in Jesus, at the end of the world, you will be unable to deny that Jesus is Lord. Everyone will say with their mouths that Jesus is the Son of God. It will be undeniable at that point. And unless you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will not be saved. And because even though you now know the truth that Jesus is Lord, you will not spend eternity with him in heaven, and will spend it in hell. A place that is entirely devoid of anything good because God is not there. And God is the source of everything good. And then the last part of that verse says, To the glory of God the Father. So we also see here that even though Christ is going to be called Lord, that it all points to God the Father. And it glorifies God the Father. So it's the purpose, so the purpose of the Son is to point us back to God the Father. And he did that by obeying the will of God. And so as believers, our goal is to glorify him and follow his perfect example that Jesus set. So Jesus glorified God in his obedience and humility. And we are to do the same. And so just to summarize, um, to go back over those three uh, ways that Christ demonstrates his humility, we see Christ is our perfect example of humility. He is God who made himself incarnate of flesh, who died on the cross and was raised from the dead and exalted by God. So we can clearly see his humility in those three points of him uh, not exploiting or his being God equal to God to benefit himself or for his own advantage. Second way is that Christ humbled himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being made flesh. And that he died for us, the greatest act of service, and rose again to put to death our sin. And so whenever we read God's word, it should lead us to action. That's what I always tell us. God's word should move us to do something. Um, and there's always a response to God's word. So what is the response for you? What is the action that you should take? And so if you are a believer, as a citizen of heaven, you are to imitate Christ in his humility. You are called to live a life, live in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. So that means walking in obedience, uh, walking in humility, serving others in love, and that means sharing the good news of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, to all of those around you. And so this is a mind that we should have as believers, one of humility and of counting others more significant than ourselves. For those of you who are not believers, who do not call yourselves Christians, you are still called to be humble as well, but for a different reason. If you feel God calling you to himself, he's asking you to humble yourself before him and follow him. He is asking that you lay down your sin and your disobedience to him. He's asking that you humble yourself and repent of all the ways that you have sinned against him. And if then you walk in that humility, God is faithful to give you new life and send his Holy Spirit to you 
to those who repent and follow him. So as you guys go into your connect groups, I wanted to leave you with just a few questions. Um, things to talk about in uh, your connect groups during the application section. And the first question is, in what ways do we not walk in humility, counting others more significant than ourselves? Number two, how does your lack of humility affect others around you? And number three, in what ways can we emulate or model Christ's example of humility in our lives? So I want to pray that the Lord will reveal to you uh, ways that you can demonstrate this humility that Christ represents and did. So I want people know that humility is not easy. Um, it's really difficult for all of us. But as Christians, we have the example of Christ, as we just read, um, and we also have the power of the Holy Spirit working in us to accomplish all that God and the Father asks of us. So I pray that as you guys go into your small groups that you guys will discuss that and it will be, uh, lead you guys to repentance of ways that you've not been humbling yourself. Um, so let me, let's pray and then you guys will be dismissed. Dear God, I thank you for your word, that it is true and that it is good. God, I thank you for giving us your son, who was a perfect sacrifice for us. God, he was a perfect example of what we are to do in our lives, to serve others, to count others more significant than ourselves, to humble ourselves before others. Lord God, I pray that we would be convicted of ways that we haven't been humble. Lord God, I pray that we would be convicted of ways that we haven't humbled ourselves so that we can share the gospel with a friend because we're afraid of being rejected. Lord God, I pray that we would look to your example, to your son's example of him humbling himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, because he was preaching your word, that he was preaching this good news. So God, I pray that we would be bold to preach the good news of your son, his life, his death, and his resurrection, and the new life that we can have in Christ. So God, I pray that we would be called to action, that we would be encouraged by our connect groups to do what you've called us to do in your word. So God, I pray for each individual in this room, whether they're a believer or a non-believer, that you would convict their hearts to be more humble, to repent of ways that they've sinned against you, Lord God, ways that they've disobeyed you, and that they would go out and share the love of Christ by walking in the so I pray all that just saying.